This episode of the Restoration Today podcast is presented by Nextgear Solutions, a leading provider of property restoration workflow software. Nextgear was recently acquired by CoreLogic, a leader in property information and data-enabled solutions, and a move to bridge the insurance and restoration industries into one open platform and to offer new best-in-class solutions that improve how the industry helps millions of people protect and restore the homes they love. Learn more at corelogic.com slash nextgear. Hello there. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Restoration Today podcast. Today we are talking about estimating, getting accurate estimates, getting paid for all the things that you do in a job, getting accurate scopes, all of that. I am joined by Chris Tilkov. He is the president of Amy, or you might know it as Ask Amy, his software platform. So Chris, thank you very much for joining us. I'm excited to have this chat with you. This is always a huge topic, getting paid is. And I know that you guys are really helping people get more accurate scopes and get paid. So Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in the restoration industry. Yeah, for sure. First of all, I like how many times I heard the word accurate in your introduction there too. So that's actually 100% what we're about is getting it right the first time. Um, but for how we got here and a little bit about myself, um, I started in this industry at 17 somehow. Um, didn't somehow. know I'd end up spending, uh, at, I barely meet the cutoffs, cut off to be a millennial, but for me to stay in the same industry the whole time is a... Uh, not something I necessarily expected at the beginning, but at, at times have definitely fallen in love with this uh, industry, love what I do now, love uh, many of the stepping stones that, that along the way to, to get here. Um, but at that time, I started as ICRC certified flood tech carpet cleaner within my first year in there um, with a small company grew from 50, uh, five to about $50 million over the time I was there. Um, really interesting to be a part of them. They were always trying to be the best, not the biggest. And that was really, you know, ended up being a growth strategy too. So things pick, I picked up there were the importance of relationships long-term, mm-hmm. um, you know, the importance of a, a good relationship with the adjuster and the carrier over the long term was paramount. And, you know, that really flowed through to everything that we did, never take advantage on a job just because, you know, you could or anything like that. It was never worth the risk of, a, of, of anything like that from, from what I saw. So, and with that understanding, I became the manager of uh, compliance and estimating for them. Um, and for a shop that size, we had a team of about seven estimators uh, full-time running. And those were to assist project managers, a larger team. Um, accepted several awards for carriers and TPAs there too. So um, paying attention to the compliance aspects, of course, was a big part of it. Uh, And then I became a national manager for a national organization that um, trying to expand those same sort of ideas across the uh, entire country as it was. So um, as it turns out, it can be quite difficult to keep up with all the carrier expectations and everything across the country. So eventually actually um, stepped out to build Amy uh, to uh, focus just on that. Exactly what you said at the beginning, accuracy, uh, consistency across many, many individuals, across many provinces of states and see what we could do to make the whole process easier because it was getting harder and harder all the time. So what are some of the biggest pain points? You, you talked about compliance, but what are some of the biggest pain points you hear from contractors when it comes to estimating and getting an accurate estimate, really getting all those line items in there? Yeah, well, first off, I think contractors really do want to write mm-hmm. compliant estimates, complete estimates, of course, too. Um, you know, they want 
to be accurate, they want to be profitable too. And what it, it can often come down to is having the right people in place at your organization. So hiring, training, retaining, and I think these, uh, you know, in, in recent months and years have, have even become harder and harder for kind of what I talked about in, in your first question there too, like they're huge databases. Um, you're adding stability in a big way now with uh, Liberty Mutual, Safeco and Aviva in Canada coming on. There's a lot of pressures to have these people that have all this knowledge and it's not just about knowing that database. That's one piece of the puzzle. You need to be an expert in all these different trades. So foundation roofing and all the ones in the, all the specialty trades in between, you need the knowledge to be able to put those right estimate line items into an estimate. And on top of that, then you've got all of the TPA or carrier expectations that can be sometimes nearly identical, but slightly nuanced enough <laughs> to get you reviewed with exceptions and have that file come back at you and, yeah. you know, take that extra time. So biggest pain points would be you know, uh, uh, ensuring that your staff in estimating a project management is up to that level to meet all those needs is very difficult. And then more recently, I, I'd say I'd add to that one is um, the need for civility, uh, training and assistance has kind of come up quickly um, as large carriers have um, moved that way recently. Um, yes, yeah. yes. And now there's the whole like, Core logic goes next year, and you know there's Veris getting Exactware, and that's creating a very interesting dynamic. So let's let's talk about that a little bit more. What are some of the big differences you see between Simbility and Exactimate? Sure. Um, like from an estimating perspective, there's um, I I'm not here, and I don't honestly have an opinion to say one's better than the other or anything like that. So you know, people love things in Xactimate, like the codes, like if you've been estimating for a long time, you can enter codes and you've, they're committed to memory and you can just tap them in and kind of move through quicker. Some things that people like about Simbility are the ease at with which you can see what is and isn't included in the line item and go and build your, your estimate that way with that, with that knowledge. Um, the important thing I think is just to recognize that they are very you know, they do accomplish the same thing in a lot of ways, but they're very different programs. So for um, a business owner, uh, anybody in the industry to recognize, you know, if you've got somebody that's trained up on one and not the other, the expectation that they can just move over and write one in the other isn't realistic necessarily. There's a training curve that needs to happen there. There's time. So one, you can be an expert in both it takes a long time to become an expert in either with, uh, yeah, <laughs> a very long time if, if to get to the top. Yes. So do you see, um, do you see the trend in our industry? There's a trend now of more remote estimators handling things. You know, it's really hard to hire in the industry right now. And there's so much to know with estimating. So a lot of companies are trending toward that remote estimator idea. Do you think that that's going to continue to be a trend? Do you think that that'll level out? Do you think platforms like yours play a role in that and helping that become kind of a more, I guess, something that can be subbed out essentially? Sure. I think it's going to continue. I um, was involved in building a remote estimating team uh, for that national organization years ago. They're still going strong. We see new ones pop up, whether they're in-house for a franchise group or whether it's a, a third-party estimating uh, specialist. 
I, they're continuing to grow from what I can tell. We, we do work with a couple um, ourselves as well. So we cannot, we offer that same level of consistency to that team. They've often got, um, you know, estimators writing in all sorts of different states. So it's not like you pull the team together. Well, you of course could have Zoom meetings and work on things, but bringing that consistency across the, the consistency that the carrier is demanding, that the, therefore the contractor is demanding of their estimates, to bring it all to one place, Amy is already becoming a part of that process. And I do expect the trend to continue just because specialization for especially smaller organizations with the risk of maybe losing your best estimator or they go on two week vacations once a year. You know what I mean? What do you, yep. you don't wanna be, um, you don't wanna have another additional uh, hassle with that. So. I, I'm, de I'm definitely not advocating for a restoration contractor not having their own in-house team, but you probably should develop maybe a relationship with one of these estimating companies as well that can pick up you, you know, when that cat rolls through that you've already know what the processes are, or when that estimator goes on vacation, you've got a backup plan. So I, I think it could be a balance of systems and both can and maybe even should exist at once for many restoration contractors. So how do you keep um, your software current when price lists are always changing and light items are always changing and then compliance could adjust as well? What, what is your process for keeping things updated? Yeah, so um, first off, we do not uh, impact pricing. We look at scope. So um, what I can add to that actually quickly too, we are working um, with the RIA even on this one for a pricing feedback uh, section. So what we're able to do is knowing, know from, from that estimate that's submitted the line items that come across, what are the, some of the components in there? We're actually able to provide a Google shop link that geolocates to your area and you're able to open it up, bring up, you know, drywall half inch, and you can quickly check to see if the prices are similar. And if they're not, you have the supporting documentation right there, you know, snippet from your screen, whatever it may be and uh, go back with that pricing feedback when, when you're able to. So that's what we do, but we're not, at, we're not one of the companies calling you up and saying, what's the pricing in your area or anything like that. Um, what we do have to keep on top of are changes in compliance, changes in industry standards. Like a, <laughs> the, I think a lot of people know this one. So we've had yep. to change from the last one to this one and they're still in the process of that as the industry makes the switch. So um, the really great thing is, and what we encourage a lot of at Amy is feedback. And within our platform, you can actually see that um, when you get a response from Amy, we encourage feedback because we want to know if we ever have anything wrong, if there's been a change. So because we work with so many uh, locations, we often are uh, communicating with people who are just like what I used to do, compliance and estimating managers, and they want to ensure that their teams are up to date and getting the right information. And because they utilize and work with Amy so much, if we can get that right, they just know it filters down to their team, gives them the right reminder at the right time. And, uh, and we go from there. Do you see any common threads in scope of work that's being missed? Like a, a trending thing, like a lot of contractors miss this or this Yes. Well, more, more so I'd say just on the um, trades that are estimated more infrequently, like, okay. you know what people, you could say like 
putting putting your estimate through Amy for a review, you know, sometimes you're not going to make any changes based on our feedback. You, because if it's going to be, you know, you're just doing that floor replacing throughout and changing baseboards and things like that, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity with fewer line items in an estimate to miss miss much. You know, you get the scope right in one room, you copy and paste it throughout type thing. It's the trades that you don't deal with as much. And to highlight one example, although you kind of do deal with this one as much, but there's a lot with cabinetry in both of these estimating databases, exactamente and Simbility, all the different line items for scribe boards, for knobs and pulls, for rollouts, for tip outs, for lazy Susans, for um, these are so commonly missed. And you, with thousands of estimate line items in each database, the expectation that that estimator, even a seasoned estimator, is going to remember everything all the time is a very high bar. So yep. that's why Amy's always there just to kind of tap on the shoulder right before you're uh, completed writing that estimate. Hey, did you remember the lazy Susan? Hey, did you remember this? Based on the conditions of the estimate, of course, too. So um, yeah, when you're getting into specialty trades, Amy's really going to shine for you because a lot of people don't have the experience uh, doing those trades. I know I didn't. I learned these things slowly over time and fortunately have been uh, able to work with our team at Amy to slowly teach a database to remind me that uh, there's a earthquake strap on a hot water tank. Who knew, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's such a minor, like interesting tidbit. Okay. So do you have any um, tips or tricks to offer other estimators or people who are in compliance in their restoration companies other than, you know, you have a resource here that they can use, but any other tips for ensuring accuracy in their scopes? Totally. Yeah. Um, I, I think training is incredibly important. It was always a huge part of, uh, you know, my career. Um, fortunately the companies I worked with put it, uh, highly important. So I think external training, and this is not a uh, pitch for Amy. Um, we work with a couple training groups, um, both, uh, actual insights and Ben Justice's enlightened restoration solutions. Um, we either refer to or work with them on some rules from time to time, each of them. Um, I'd recommend them for sure. Uh, for external training, always staying up to date is very important. And then training internally, Amy kind of offers a peer review, but the same sort of, uh, review should can and should be done by, you know, having another project manager review your estimate and reviewing their estimate yourself, um, you know, kind of trading that back and forth. There's a lot to be learned by um, that, that kind of cross training. And another one for people whose roles are uh, absolutely dedicated as estimators. And what we used to do at the local company that I worked for was when we hired an estimator, we'd often put them in the field for two weeks with the flood division, two weeks with the construction division, you know, just to know what, make sure that they actually know what's involved in a lot of these things. So cross-training within the office are, uh, is a huge one. And then the last one I would say is leverage technology too, but that, that one is a pitch for Amy uh, or any other <laughs> that's right. uh, database that's out there. That's all right. You're allowed. Um, <laughs> deal. Okay. So I know that you are, you, you know, you're not dealing with pricing or anything, but is there a way that you measure the difference between like what a scope is when it comes in and then the difference when it goes out, like how much of a difference you've found or the line items you found? 
Yeah, sure. And it's one of the most common questions we get asked because we need to be able to prove our value to prospective clients as well. They want to know. So what we've done is we've made it really easy to track that internally yourself. So we scrape off the submitted net claim. And if you want to um, put in the final net claim after your interactions with Amy, we generate a report, you send it to Excel and you're answering those questions. And the, the changes can be, well, there could be no changes as one scenario, which does happen. You're not going to get a response that you want to implement on every response from our software. Um, there can be estimates that only have compliance changes, which if we help meet the carrier's expectation before it goes to the carrier, I believe that's a win all around. It helps your KPIs. It helps the cycle times. It helps customer satisfaction because the cycle time in that stage is probably lower. Um, fewer supplements, um, you know, that's all good news if we're able to identify that upfront. And the estimate can go up. And when we talk about the estimate going up, and even the examples we talked about with cabinetry, we're talking about actual work that you're doing on site, completing the scope for real work that real people are doing. Mm -hmm. And when our just breaking out that one piece, our um, with the feedback that we do get, we get hundreds of people recording that each month. We get thousands of files through our system, but we the average ad portion is three to four percent um, that can be found just by completeness of scope in in those kind of examples it's quite a bit when you're talking about running multiple estimates through there a month that can add up it is and it and it it leads to fewer supplements down the road because you know People pull their estimate back later and are like oh well as it turns out i can't do the cabinetry for that price and then your estimate goes up but you know, the insurer doesn't like supplements and that process and things like that. L let's get the estimate rate the first time. Going back to your intro, a word that I did not plant in your head, but love to hear you four or not. five times was accuracy. And that's, <laughs> let's get it right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the RA a little bit. You're an affinity partner and you've partnered with them for some other things. And, you know, Ben Justison is part of the pricing committee, all of that. So what is some value that you have found in the RA, both maybe when you were on the contractor side and now on the vendor side, like why did you choose to be involved in the RA? So from the contractor side, the um, contractor I worked with was always a part of it. It was an important badge to have for making sure um, you know, when you, people go to your website, you want to, you want to know that people are doing it right. It's nice to have the IICRC badge up there, things like that too. Um, I wasn't really involved with it at that point in time. Um, the RIA now, uh, seeing what's going on with the AGA, not just pricing, but things like that. I think it, it is really important. These were some issues that I haven't been working directly with a, um, contractor network for four years now. Um, but they're really hitting some of the issues that nobody else was. And I think it is important very much for all parties in this industry to have a voice and the way that they're, they've been able to advocate, uh, advocate, you know, with the right amount of pressure when needed, um, and kind of throttle that up and having somebody like Ed Cross, who's not working directly for any one of the contractors out there. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it was sometimes hard for contractors to have that conversation without feeling like they were going to get a slap on the wrist from wherever that slap would come from. So I think 
the importance of the uh, the what the AGA is doing is really what shines with the RIA for me right now. And what our affinity partnership is that we do give a dollar back for uh, every estimate review from an RIA member goes okay. back to support the RIA is, is how that works as well. Nice. Okay. Yeah. The AGA is doing a lot and Ed works very hard. That whole committee works really hard. So absolutely more things coming out soon. So, okay, perfect. All right. Anything else you want to add to our conversation? Anything we didn't touch on that we should? Uh, we are uh, just signed up with uh, Symbility for Digital Hub Alliance, and we believe we'll, we're, we're going to be at beta testing within the next couple of weeks, and we're just at the end of November right now. Don't, not sure when people will, when will be released or when people will be watching, um, but before the end of the year, um, look for a Symbility review to help with those training uh, gaps and everything for, for Symbility, so we're really excited to announce that. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks for your time. And those who are listening or watching this, there is an article also from Chris with some estimating and scoping tips. So be sure to check that out um, and be on the lookout for more content from Chris and others on estimating as people learn Symbility and Xactimate and all the things. Chris, thank you very much for your time. I hope you have an awesome day. You too. Thank you so much. For more restoration today, visit our website, cnrmagazine.com, or find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts.